Do you want to find solutions on how to make decisions faster, how to solve problems with your teams, or define a clear strategy that resonates with your staff and customers? There is a workshop for that. Hello there, I'm Nati Ravez, founder of La Workshopeuse. I'm a collaboration consultant and workshop facilitator, member of an amazing workshopper community. In this podcast, I meet them to get the best advice on facilitation and I'll let leaders and managers speak to understand the challenges they are facing. Welcome to the show. Hello to all of you. Happy New Year 2023. I hope you all had a good transition in this new year that you maybe have taken the time to reflect on the past year and to plan this new year with new projects, new ideas, new dreams, and perhaps some good resolutions. For my part, I want this year to be a continuation of the previous one. And with that in mind, I am happy to continue hosting this podcast, which I hope will inspire you and give you ideas for your journey in facilitation and collaboration work with amazing guests who share their experiences, challenges, tips and tools. Today, I welcome Petram Peresment, co-founder and CEO of the Skills Lab. He has created a program for coaches, consultants and business leaders who want to learn how to design and conceptualize workshops. And it was a great, great pleasure to talk to him about his background in facilitation, how to create impactful workshops, how to avoid the jargon of facilitation experts and how to make sure we understand our clients' needs and also how to make sure we meet them where they are to get them on board correctly and guide them through the right process. Petram also presents his program, The Workshop Mastery, and as a listener of the podcast, you can get a 15% discount on this program. I'll tell you more at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. I hope you enjoy listening and I look forward to reading your comments and thoughts. Petram. Hello. How are you? I am well. It's a sunny day here in London. It's a sunny day in London. I like your accent. It's <laughs> it's a night, the London accent. Maybe I should try. Um <laughs> Petram, we met via LinkedIn a few months ago. I think it was like I commented on one of your posts, I think, and you sent me a very nice message. So we made a date, which I skipped because I forgot that we are on two different time slots. <laughs> <laughs> But by many, we had this, uh, this conversation with each other and we talked about facilitation, we talked about workshop jargon, we talked about training, and I thought, damn, we should have recorded this conversation from the start. It was a great conversation, I remember. Could be a good podcast episode. But <laughs> then then I, I told you, hey, would you like to come on the podcast? And you're here, and I am very, very thankful for that. Thank you for the invite. Really great to be here. Appreciate it. Pedram, you are a workshop facilitator. You are also the co-founder of Skills Labs and you help coaches and consultants set up impactful programs for their audience, team and organization. But 
if I scroll back on your LinkedIn profile, I can see that you started in a completely different field. You started mm -hmm. out as a physics teacher. And uh, it's always very interesting to know what is the journey of the of the people who are working in facilitation now. So I'm very curious and I would be very glad if you could tell us a little bit how did you get into facilitation and set up your business? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I did start off my career as a physics teacher. I, I studied theoretical physics at university. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think for me, really, the, the genesis comes from wanting to support people just grow and learn. Um, and I didn't know that I wanted to do that at first because actually when I, when I did my university degree, uh, all my friends were going into becoming management consultants or investment bankers, and that's what I thought I wanted to do. But for some reason, I missed the memo about getting a part-time job, doing an internship. So when I graduated, I was like highly educated but completely unemployable. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I went on this journey of going, okay, how do I develop these like collaboration skills and these like communication skills or leadership skills that all these graduate recruiters are looking for? Um, and yeah, that's when I started to get in. I, I did some volunteer work. I did a charity expedition. And, and that's when I started to yeah, experience these opportunities or like forums where I'm doing something and I'm reflecting on it myself to like learn about myself. And so when it came down to like getting an actual job, I decided that actually I don't want to be an investment banker. I don't want to do management consultancy. I want to work with people. And so teaching was the first thing that I did. I thought, you know, I could give something back. And I set up like outdoor education for the kids. So we were doing like going out in the countryside. Uh, and so I was just really fascinated by growing as like as holistically as people. And so that kind of got me on the track to do leadership development. I trained to be a coach, systems coach. And, and then, yeah, it, it kind of like grew from there. It was all about how can I help people grow? Uh, and it's, it's, I've done it in so many different forms with kids, with execs, with new starters in, you know, in, in business. Uh, yeah, so I think that's sort of the theme has been helping people grow. And and then you were a teacher. How how long? I, I, so yeah, I taught for five years. Uh, so it was, in that time, I developed, I kind of did a lot of outdoor education, and I got really fascinated by how those kinds of non formal kind of environments can create opportunities for people to reflect on what just happened. What does that mean for me? What does it mean for me working with other people? And what can I do with it in the future? The stuff that I feel like I kind of missed when I was younger, I was like, really wanted to do that with, with kids. And then and I started doing it with adults. <laughs> so, and actually with teachers, I was like, my first bit of like leadership development work was helping teachers be better leaders, you know, not just as like in within the school environment, you know, like am I a middle leader or a mm -hmm. senior leader, but also like leaders in the classroom. Okay, um, nice. Yeah. And from these things that you recognized, what you like and uh, what you want to do, how did you, how is the journey until the foundation of Skills Lab? Yeah, I, so quite a lot happened at the same time, actually. So I ended up moving teaching 
Uh, and uh, I took a little bit of a career break um, after like five years in the classroom. And uh, when I came back, I was like, okay, I want to set up my own business. But I also ended up working for an education charity in the UK called Teach First, which is sort of, that's where I started to do the work with teachers to help them develop the leadership. So I, I ended up working at Teach First part-time. I set up my own business part-time. And then I also fun, uh, founded a few, uh, uh, one charity called uh, Spark and Metal, which was, we, we call it like the, the aspirations agency. So I was like a non-exec director on that. And all of these things were kind of combined was all around helping to, to people develop their soft skills, develop collaboration, communication, um, leadership. So yeah, when I first started work, doing all my workshops, it was more focused on that aspect. And then since yeah. then, I've it's kind of grew into innovation processes and you know using design thinking as an approach to solve problems, but also increasingly kind of blending design thinking with instructional design from t- my teaching and all the other shiny objects I picked up, like leadership development, systems coaching, storytelling, all these things which I just love. Okay, and you are you are using all this stuff actually to bring other people by how to, to facilitate how to design their workshop or are you running are you still running workshops? Yeah, a bit of both actually. So um yeah it's this teaching others to kind of think through how to design workshops is quite a new thing for me. I've been doing that um formally as a program this year, but informally for many years on the projects I've worked on with colleagues. And I've I've you know worked with organizations like Netflix and Google in the tech sector and you know the UK Ministry of Justice uh, in the UK as a public sector organization. Uh, I've worked with charities during the pandemic, for example, mm-hmm. at the beginning, at the beginning, I know we're still during the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> um, there was a lot of charities that did a lot of like the programming face to face and suddenly it was locked down. So I was involved in quite a few different um, projects, which was helping to go through some digital transformation as well, like the mindsets around and also the practicalities of how do you transition what you do, what you've been doing face-to-face, but online and all of these things. Yeah, I still get involved in these projects, but actually all the while I felt like I was kind of working with other either colleagues at my level where we're like refining the process or, or it's like more junior colleagues who are executing things to to help them think through how to design programming, how to design workshops and sort of structure their thinking. So, yeah, it's a bit of both. I'm still doing my legacy work, as it were, and then also increasingly working with other coaches and consultants to, to refine how they can do yeah. this workshop. But this is a good thing because I think we can help as facilitators the, the companies or organizations, but I think this is our role also to bring this facilitation skills um, to consultants, of course, to coaches, but also to the employees of these companies so that they can work on another uh, level or with new tools and facilitation is actually not new, but uh, is really needed in this time of uh, of change. 
and you are talking about the digital transformation about the pandemic where they had to rethink completely what they were doing If you'd like to join me for a podcast episode or discuss the challenges you face at work and how I can help, book a free call or send me an email. All the contact information is in the show notes. We talked the last time about the fact that when when we, when we are as facilitator experts working with organizations, with companies, with coaches, with consultants, and that we should try to speak their language can you remember yeah because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember. because uh, in uh, in your expertise you forget sometimes that um the other people are not talking the same uh, language like we are and uh, that this is one thing that we have to focus on as a facilitator and th i think this yeah. is something that you bring by uh, the people you are coaching right Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, I, uh, I've gone on a bit of a journey with this because I, you know, every time I've done, learned something new, some new training, for example, when I learned to be a, an organizational relationship systems coach six years ago or so, there's so much like terminology there, which I really loved. You know, there's uh, like the third entity when you're thinking about like what happens when you bring a group of people together or the three levels of reality and, and how you can like work between Uh, essence level to dreaming level and consensus reality. Like these are like words I was like, cool. I've got like a new language. <laughs> But actually, I mean, I, as I said it, you're probably thinking, what the hell is Pet talking about? I don't have an I, I can I can guess what these things mean, but I, I don't really know. And um, and so it can be really tempting when you're an expert, when you're a coach, consultant, facilitator, to like use these words unintentionally, you know what it means. And you and, then, and with a little bit of education, you can explain to your clients what they mean, but it can also just be a little bit of a barrier. So I try to absolutely use these things as a mental framework for me to think about how I design workshops. But I, And if I'm delivering something, I'll think about what other ways I can describe it that's more simple. And if I, I can't, I'll make sure I give some time and space to be able to share. Okay, I'm going to use a word. This is what it means. And, and like, make sure that people are on the same level. But, um, yeah, that, that's one aspect of, like, jargon. But I also think that um, sometimes as facilitators or workshop designers, we, ha we, sh we sometimes can carry quite a bit of a burden of needing to, like, have all the answers mm -hmm. of, like, what you need. Or um, And I know that... As facilitators, we, we also hold that it's our clients that bring the content and they come up with the answers themselves. But it's, you sort of, there's a little bit of, I don't know what, how to call it, like a residue of wanting to feel like you're adding value by knowing everything. But actually, <laughs> you've got to let go of that. And, and I think sometimes, even if you know what the, pro like, even if you've seen the same problem many times, It's experienced slightly differently in each organization and each people. So how one group of people might describe their challenges, their problems might be different from another group. And it's about finding a way of hearing or uncovering how you're, this new group that you're going to be working with experiences their challenges, their problems or what they want to solve and speaking their language because 
the you know the mechanics of how you help them get there it's like your expertise but you can also demonstrate your expertise by really kind of understanding who they are what's going on for them and meeting them where they're at and i think that also builds more trust because they go oh you you get me you understand what's going on for me you're using my language you know I, and instead of using language that is exclusionary like jargon yeah is it uh, the point that this is maybe the difference between a workshop facilitator and a consultant because uh, this is something i have both missions i'm working in the both fields and this is what you're telling you are not here to propose some solution like a consultant you're here as a workshop facilitator it means you are the guide and uh, there are the heroes and uh, you really have to change your mindset when you are working as a workshop facilitator and this is what i like the most uh, to get the people mm -hmm. and get from them the answer and when you are a consultant you are in another world this is something different like a project manager is also another role so yeah, yeah, yeah. i have discovered for myself that um, workshops can be a very good start for a consulting mission because you are doing mm -hmm. a workshop and getting the on the collect collection yeah and yeah. Uh, choose on what they want to work and things like that and then you can start as a consultant yeah I, i agree with you and i think there's there's a blurry line between things as well so sometimes some projects will require you to be a consultant and then run a workshop where you're a facilitator in the truest sense to collect that information mm -hmm. uh, either at the beginning or at, at different points and then you can you know and it also depends on the 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 project and the consultancy and then once you've collected all that then you bring in your like subject matter expertise or your technical expertise and and offer like the the next step uh, the next thing you're doing but the uh the mind i guess i haven't thought about this but it's the, the mindset of facilitation isn't it it's like it's when you're working with a group of people you know you have to assume that they and hold that they are And I'm going to use a phrase from some of the training that I've done myself, like they're naturally creative and resourceful, like they have access, that's from Coactive Training Institute, but they have access to the knowledge and wisdom to solve their own problems. And you're there to guide them, to, to, to provide the guide rails. Yeah. And if there's, there's something missing, you can always like add to it and go, and here's this like other thing that can help you. We were talking also about the fact how important it is to to have a human-centered approach in uh, the designing of workshops, how important that yeah, yeah, yeah. is. You can remember our conversation. I tried to to uh, reproduce the conversation we had a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> take, take two. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you, you can yeah. remember we, we talk about human-centered approach to designing workshops. Yeah. And this is something that you teach no, also. Whether people re recognize the term human-centered design or not, you know, and there's a lot of people, you know, I'm just going to do a side point and then bring it back because actually I think it's important. There are three types of workshops that I think like uh, are out there. There's skill development workshops, which is you can, it can still fall in that kind of training category, but you'd still, you're offering like a, an, an opportunity for people to learn a new skill, but like in a kind of guided sense and helping them make sense of it themselves. Then there's like team or personal growth workshops. It's like you're helping people um, 
work better with each other. And then there are like innovation workshops, like innovation processes, helping people create something together. So those are like three different types of workshops. So um, I know that in the innovation space, there is a lot more of this sense of like uh, user-centered like design or like human-centered design. Um, now, regardless of which type of workshops you're kind of running, I still like I've experienced and seen that even if you know about human-centered service design, when it comes to designing a workshop, you don't all people don't always take a human-centered approach to thinking about who's in the workshop. Mm-hmm. You might be human-centered approach of like who you're designing a product or a service or a solution for, but this, the, <laughs> we kind of we fail for the the people who are coming to the workshop. And so I always say that oftentimes we care about the people we're designing a workshop for, but we don't always take a human-centered approach to like how we think through that workshop. And it might not even be like any more complicated than just thinking about what's the context of this workshop? Who are the people that are coming? What do they do? What's not working for them that could be better? What do they want to achieve in their work or their lives? And then that that's like the framing. You know, you, you could still do the same activity uh, with a different group of people, but just like the framing of it can be more human-centered, more kind of, learner centered or depending on what type of work you'll be doing so yeah that, that's i can't remember if I, that's what we talked about last time but that's no 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 but it's that. so true and in the in the meantime i i told you i had uh, last week a, a workshop a little bit challenging because it was uh two teams meeting for the first time from germany and from france and uh, not speaking the same language uh, with two people remote from Pakistan and, and Turkey, some of the people not talking really good English, and one person mm-hmm. not talking at all. She she can listen and she can do everything, but not talking at all. If I and I started with my co-facilitator to design the workshop, like okay, we will do that in English, no problem, and and start with the icebreaker, like all the French people are reading loud a German word which is uh, on the on the um, on the screen and then all the Germans are talking the same word in French and and it was very funny but we forget one fact is that one person cannot talk so what can we do with this person you know and it was not it yeah. was not a big thing uh, this was the only activity that the person cannot talk but it was very important to talk to this person before so that she is mm-hmm. not because it was one of the beginning uh, activities so that she don't have the feeling that she is put on the side or nobody yeah. recognized that she's and this is the thing when we are talking about human-centered approach not even if you are um, doing always the same workshop the same recipes you have really not to forget to uh, to know before who is in the room, who is in the room. Yeah, I, I also it's about meeting people where they're at, and I think it, and, and sometimes it's you can find uh, excavate this beforehand. Sometimes you you can't, and you just you got to like build in the t- opportunities to have people check in, share how they are, what they want to get out of the session, etc., or like what's important about the session for them. But also, I think you raise a, an important point about inclusion in terms of 
who's in the room and how, whether they're able to speak or not, you know, because the, um, even things like, especially for remote workshops, knowing what kind of devices people are going to be joining with. Now, typically in a, in a kind of work environment, you can be pretty safe that people are going to show up in a lap, on a laptop or a desktop computer. Mm-hmm. And then you can use things like uh, an interactive whiteboard or other digital tools for your workshop. Now, when I was doing the projects during the beginning of the pandemic, helping charities think about how they reach their service users, their beneficiaries, it really, that understanding who the users were was so important because some of them worked with, you know, uh, old people. Some of them worked with young people. Some people um, could only had a mobile phone and no computer. You know, some people uh, had limits on how much data they were able to access on their on their mobile phone. So, you know, we had solutions like WhatsApp courses, you know, a, a course delivered on WhatsApp. Um, we had other solutions around, maybe just very simple, like things like how can you use Zoom better? But also, um, you know, thinking about uh, Facebook, so some things, some of the solutions were using Facebook groups as a way of like reaching people because that's actually where, a lot of their service users were so yeah it's it kind of it can get really um and it's very interesting uh, in terms of just how where the solutions can go depending on how people are accessing things it's like not what we're talking about now in terms of workshops but in terms of other kind of services other programs and interventions yeah those things that are fascinating free to click the bell to subscribe this podcast on your player. You can also follow me on LinkedIn for more information on facilitation and workshops. You have developed uh, your own workshop program. Uh, I think the name is Workshop Mastery Program. And I recognize a few people that I that I know. Uh, <laughs> I think we are almost <laughs> in the same communities. Uh, I think you have a Canadian woman in your group, Is it possible? Yeah, we yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. commented on the LinkedIn puzzle. Of course you two know each other. You're both <laughs> awesome people. <laughs> Marie-Christine. Hello, Marie-Christine, if you are listening. Hello. <laughs> so would you, would you like to tell us more about your workshop mastery and how we can uh, get more information about that? What is in the in this program specifically and um, how how can someone register for this program? This would be my last question. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah, I, well, you know, um, I think we started to talk about this already, but a lot of us that get into workshops and designing workshops or facilitating workshops, it sort of, it it happens like it, to us or we, we go and experience a good workshop. You know, I want to do this. Or you go on a training program and you, you collect various tools, various activities, principles. Um, and then we, we start putting them together. You know, we learn the tricks of the trade. We use our intuition. Uh, and we actually oftentimes get experience like success running workshops. But what I've noticed, because I went through this, even though I was a teacher to begin with, even I, with like my kind of teaching background, there was still a lot of like, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This, this was slow going to figure out what's the best like process to like structure my thinking 
in order to just design a workshop. And sometimes I would be inventing and reinventing the process. I'd like learn something new. I'm like, how do I incorporate this like approach, this principle to like how I design workshops? So, and I know that a lot of other coaches and consultants can spend a lot of time doing the same thing, inventing, reinventing the process, questioning themselves, getting frustrated. I hear people feeling overwhelmed, maybe procrastinating around like sitting down to design. Um, and so this program is really just, I see it as a big yes and. It's there to support people who already do things, just structure their thinking so they can spend more time delivering value. You know, So it's about how, how's the, how, like, what's my tagline? Like, it's something like, you know, creating high value, high impact workshop that your clients rave on about. Like, because I think that's what I know, like checking with myself and I like, check in with other people that do this kind of work. That's what we want, right? We want to, we want to create impact. So that's the idea behind it. And how long is, uh, when, when you sign in and you're new? Uh, what what can you find there? How many? Mm. Is there many modules? Is there some videos? Oh, yeah. Is there some coaching calls? Can you tell me more yeah. about that? Yeah, so it's a, it's a 90 day training and coaching program um, that sort of helps to, like I said, to save you time and sort of that mental anguish. So you can be better at positioning, mm -hmm. whether that's actually selling something or if it's already like it's part of a project, like getting people excited, designing and then facilitating like that process. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, a collection of instructional videos that you work, work through in your own time. You've got the templates, all those things that you can kind of structure to help you structure your thinking. And then twice a week, we have a drop-in session where you can come, ask any questions about the process, share what you've done, get feedback from others on the program, get feedback from me, celebrate your wins. So it's a, like a bit of a holistic program where you're getting the content as well as the support and the community. And yeah, I've been running it since April. So it's kind of, it's evolving and it's growing. And every time somebody comes on, like, 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 for example, yesterday we had a wonderful session and uh, Mary Christine had some awesome questions that we collectively worked through around uh, around proposal writing, although that's not part of the, like the, the program, like, but it's like we've had a good conversation about proposals because we're all experts in, in terms of we've done proposals and we, it was just such a fruitful conversation. But also we talked about Uh, how, like, what makes a transformational experience? We talked about, you know, what, why it's important to really be clear about who a workshop is for. And so, yeah, we, we, it's like that environment. I can't always predict what will happen, but we have such great conversations and they inspire me to, uh, I guess, like refine my own thinking, but also what I share in the world. So, you know, I know we met on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. right? So, oh, Times, these conversations that we have like inspire like a LinkedIn post. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, that's such a great question. I'm going to make that a LinkedIn post. <laughs> And you are, your eyes are so brightening when you are talking about that. So you love what you're doing. This is uh, what I yeah. what I really like when someone is coming on the podcast. Yeah, yeah and I love working. I mean, I, I also don't proclaim to say that I'm, you know, I, I see myself as when I, in these environments, like the program, I am a colleague. 
And I have a, a framework, I have a, a model that I, I share and, and, you know, help people grapple through. But just like facilitation, I also kind of recognize that the people that come, like Mary Christine, who is an absolute expert in her domain. Mm-hmm. You know, she's so experienced and brings so much to the table. So it is, like I said, it's like, it's a big yes and. Um, and yeah, so, so there's a workshop design mastery program because I see it as like it's a, a forum for all of us to just become more masterful yeah uh, more masterful than what we do yeah so it means also that when someone is signing your program uh, they will get in contact with very experimented uh other people and it's uh, also about sharing right yeah exactly yeah it's uh it's wonderful having um yeah i i feel on you know what i it's something i when i Feel like what? How do I feel about this? I feel honoured. Yeah. Whenever people kind of join, because um, there's so much experience and wisdom that they bring to to the collective. Nice. Thank you, Pedram. We finally did the interview. Yeah, <laughs> recorded this time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I will put all the contact information in the show notes, and uh, I wish you a lot a bigger and bigger community for your program and uh, thank, you. thank you very much excellent yeah i really enjoyed being on this uh, thanks for inviting me and uh, look forward to you coming to london yeah i will <laughs> thank you bye-bye bye i hope you've enjoyed this episode and to finish it off with even more value there are several bonuses for you Firstly, you can download Pitram's free facilitation guide, which is a simple framework for an intuitive workshop facilitation structure. The link to download it is in the show notes. Secondly, Pitram is offering a 15% discount on the Workshop Mastery program to listeners who book a consultation call and then sign up for the program. To do this, simply type, there's a workshop for that in the how did you hear about us section in the survey of the call for consultation. You can find the program homepage with more information and a booking link in the show notes. In the next episode, I have the great, great pleasure to talk to Jakob Knudsen, the co-founder and CEO of Butter. Butter is the platform to use to run more engaging remote sessions and get better outcomes from your remote meetings and workshops. Jakob's passion is truly infectious, so don't miss this episode. And until then, I wish you health, success and happiness. Au revoir.